1: Today, we're going to discuss the data signals generated by the outbreak of the coronavirus. Joining us is an old friend of the MarTech podcast, Jeff White, who is the CEO of Gravy Analytics, which is a location intelligence firm based in D.C., which processes over 25 billion anonymous geolocation signals per day. Yesterday, Jeff and I talked about using location data to understand how the coronavirus has changed consumer behavior, And today, we're going to continue our conversation talking about using location data and analytics to figure out your reopening strategies. Okay, here's the second part of my conversation with Jeff White, founder and CEO of Gravy Analytics. Jeff, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. Excited to uh, continue our conversation. Yesterday, we talked about some of the changes in user behaviors. People are at home. We've all stocked up on our toilet paper. There are some obvious industries that are thriving, and some of them that are suffering. Today, I want to talk about taking a step forward. The coronavirus is not something that's going to last forever. Knock on wood, we're all going to make it through this. So let's talk a little bit about, as the world is reopening, how you could think about how to safely, appropriately, and effectively... Use location data and analytics to understand when and where is the right time to put your foot back down on the real-world gas pedal of business. Talk to me about how to use location data to figure out your reopening strategy.
2: We say often in our business, if you want to compete with Amazon, you have to be like Amazon. And one of the strengths that Amazon has always had is they're setting on top a mountain of consumer data, right? And in their world, it's largely how you engage with the platform, your consumptive patterns, your shopping patterns, your search histories, et cetera. So certainly we believe, right, in our world, that location data, human mobility, the things, how we act as part of our daily lives in the physical world is not only a much stronger signal of what might be consumer behavior, but a much more actionable and recent one. So I think the first step we always tell our customers is, accept change right the first thing is we're not going back every bit of data modeling you have done every bit of predictive analysis you have done whether it's where to open and how to open as you described it the first thing is a accept that it's going to be different that the world has changed and it's going to change once covid goes away we're never going back to the same reality that we had before and if you understand that and appreciate that then data can be your best friend There's an old expression is no man is more blind than one who will not see. So embrace it. Embrace that the data can be your friend and help you actually understand at a very, very simple ground truth level what's emerging in consumer behaviors.
1: It's a sobering reality that our behaviors... Will forever be changed because of the coronavirus. And look, I will be the first one to admit that when it is safe to do so, I'm going to go into a football stadium with tens of thousands of other people and scream my head off. I'll probably be doing it with a mask and maybe there's going to be a seat in between me and the next fan that wouldn't be there. But the reality is that there's going to be more protections, people are going to have more flexibility in terms of working from home, and they're going to think twice about going into a store as opposed to operating digitally. Talk to me about some of the signals that you've seen that can indicate what behaviors are actually going to change. When you think about your office space, how much office space do you need, how much of your workforce should you expect to be going into the office space? To me, that's the biggest thing to think about when we talk about reopening is not the commercial brands. You know, When will the Apple store be open for me to go buy an iPhone? It's when will everyone's offices be able to open up so they can travel around? Talk to me about what you're seeing in terms of getting people into the office and what are some of the data points that you should be looking at to know whether it's safe or not?
2: Well, safety aside, I can tell you, and we're hearing it from our customers, the industry at large, that if the virus were to evaporate tomorrow and never, ever be heard from again, we're not going back to the office. At least not in the way we did before. And we've learned, companies have learned, industries have learned that we can be productive, in some cases more productive in a model that looks more like this than it looked like before where we all had to be in the office.
1: You're talking to the wrong guy. I haven't been putting on fancy pants and going into the <laughs> same office for years. I'm more of a shorts and T-shirt in front of a screen, you know, sitting in my home office type of guy I think other people are seeing the wisdom of my ways. And not that this is about me, but.
2: Yes, I always thought we were going to turn into avatars of ourselves. And I worry about losing the human linkages that we need.
1: Well, that's <laughs> what the Zoom backgrounds are for. You could be on Mars right now and I wouldn't know it.
2: Maybe there's some benefit to that.
1: I think it's funny, just an aside, it's funny how few Zoom backgrounds I'm seeing now that we're five months in. Like the novelty has worn off and people are just like, look, I'm at home. That's my couch.
2: So we've replaced one humanity for another. So we can't be a person to shake hands, but we can look at each other's couch and say, boy, that's (laughs) something, (laughs) right?
1: So, okay, we're talking a little bit about getting back to the office. The reality is not everybody's going back to the office. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. So tell me about using location data and maybe some of the patterns that we've seen to understand what we should expect or the decisions we should make from office behavior, and how is that different from commercial behavior?
2: So A, if we're not going into the office, that might be a reality, but we still have a strong desire and appetite for convenience. And some of our shopping patterns and engagement with our local community was largely built on relevance and convenience to both where we work, where we live. People sought out offices that were close to restaurants and dry cleaners for employee convenience. Well, clearly, that's all changed. And our appetite and desire for convenience has not So I think curbside pickup isn't going away app usage for example for all your local brands restaurants and other places isn't going away so we've been indoctrinated and educated on a new way that we can engage both with our local retailers the brands we love and it's up to them to engage with us in a way that in not only balances convenience with personalization with the relationship that you can't do in a physical space anymore the physical space that a brand has to Engage with me is is on my device. It's shorter, it's more episodic. And in order to get that right, the more you know about me and how I live my life is your enablement to that success. So location data plays a really important role in that, particularly as we start to again awaken. The early indicators of who I am as I come out of my cave as the new consumer are gonna be how I start to live my daily life and the brands and the places I engage with around me.
1: The places where you're going to go buy your toilet paper, your bottle of booze, whatever it is, the circle is shrinking and it's more of a stronger heartbeat around home base as opposed to two separate bases of home and the office. Talk to me a little bit about delivery services. It seems like there is a trend here of, you know, mentioned convenience where people are having more on demand services. I'm sure. Grubhub, DoorDash, and Postmates are all, and Uber as well, are all you know, loving the new reality. Maybe Uber less because of the impact on ride-sharing. Have you noticed that there are any sort of signals that are showing that the ride-sharing services, the convenience, the delivery services are uh, thriving?
2: Well, clearly, a lot of the ones you mentioned are around food delivery.
1: I used to work for Rinse. They do dry cleaning and laundry delivery. Yeah. I'm hoping that their business is doing well.
2: What we, a lot of times, we look at are things from a supply chain standpoint. So everything from the port to the warehouse to the retailer, when appropriate, are now directly to home. And you saw a dramatic increase in traffic in and out of things like Amazon warehouses, as you might imagine, right? Distribution warehouses, largely for hard goods and other things. People are sitting around their homes saying, boy, I need a new kitchen. And we've been putting it off. We're going to spend a lot of time here. Sure enough, you may not go into that Best Buy, but you're shopping at the WalMarts online and getting things delivered directly from them. to Your album saw a dramatic increase from the containers, stores, and depots.
1: So the home goods are probably thriving. People are sitting there looking at their couch saying, I can't spend one more second on you. I just need a new couch. And click of a button, there it is. So I think the reality is that the brands and the places that people engage from a consumer perspective are going to be centralized around their home, but we are seeing more activity around distribution centers, trying to get basically more D to C products delivered. What are some of the other conclusions that you have or takeaways that you can tell us about in terms of reopening strategies and what will make it safe and effective?
2: And you're seeing a lot more emphasis now from a lot of the CPG companies on their DTC strategies, right? That's a lot of acronyms there, right? The B2B, D2C, SMBs? we got to throw in some more jargon here in order to be relevant. LMNOP. (laughs) By the way, so that's another accelerant to what has been a slow evolution there, the Procter & Gamble's of the world trying to establish consumer relationships outside of the retailers. Well, like it or not, we can buy direct from Procter & Gamble just fine right now. And we're very comfortable with that experience.
1: It also potentially makes more room for competition where Procter & Gamble doesn't have a distinct advantage to sell you soap and toilet paper and all the things that Procter & Gamble makes. There can be a smaller upstart brand that has the same amount of access to you.
2: Absolutely. And suddenly you're seeing more and more influencers, right? We are consuming a lot more on-demand videos of how to do things. I started making candles. I've never made a candle in my life, but I saw it on a YouTube video. I said, I can do that. That's interesting. And I Ordered a candle kit, and now I'm in that. I'm doing that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jeff White, man of many talents. Not only is he a CEO of a location-based analytics company, he's a talented candle maker and a wonderful podcast guest. Jeff, appreciate you coming back on the show. Great to catch up, and thanks for telling us a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of analytics, location data in the time of the coronavirus. Thank you. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks again to Jeff White, CEO of Gravy Analytics for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Jeff, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Jeff White 1347 That's J-E-F-F-W-H-I-T-E 1347. Or you could visit his company's website, which is GravyAnalytics.com.